Hello, podcast listeners. You're listening to the Gym and Tonic podcast with myself, Stephen Geddes. We cover all topics, health, fitness, and wellness related. We talk to special guests and industry leaders and get them to share their stories and experiences along with sharing our own journey and thoughts of this industry. Most importantly, we love what we do and we invite you to share your thoughts on our social media platforms. Welcome to the podcast and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hey man, how's things? Yeah, good. Let me just get my phone set up. There we go. Thanks for having me. I'd have like, no, it's great to have you. Listen, I'll just do a little intro and then I'll let you take it away for a minute or two yourself. Is that cool? Yeah, sounds good. All right, guys, so for everyone that's watching, thanks a million for jumping on. I know it's, um, it's quite late over with you, am I right, George? What are they, 10 or 11 o'clock? Yeah, 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 yeah 6 p.m. Yeah. 9, 9 a.m. here at the minute, so that's up and, and out and, and watching this. Thanks so much. Um, today we have on George Hillary, um, all the way from Melbourne, so thanks a million for coming on. Um, George has many achievements under his belt. Um, he's completed three of the seven summits. I think the aim this year was to do Mount Everest. And um, he's summited Ahmed Abam, he has summited Labuche, so quite a few in Nepal. And he's obviously the grandson of Sir Edmund Hillary. Um, and he is his own, you're a model as well, I believe, yeah, a model. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a one-off gig. <laughs> <laughs> and co-founder of the um, Edmund Hillary clothing brand, if I'm correct, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've been uh, one of the ambassadors on that. Excellent, yeah, brilliant. So I just fixed my camera here. Yeah, so Anthony, I missed there. If you wanna, if you wanna intro yourself a little bit, and don't be, don't be too modest, you know. I'll, I'll do my best. Yeah, well, I think climbing's always been a huge part of my family. From when I was a young guy, my dad was always taking me out on, on trips all over the place. Um, some of which my mum definitely didn't approve of as a young kid. Probably a bit too dangerous. And I guess from there, it was a natural progression, really, in my family to take that next step with climbing and I think the past I mean, time's kind of fine but the past seven years um, my brother and I have been trying to knock off the seven summits sort of one by one and we did a couple of really hard climbs in Nepal last year which was a huge test Armin Ablam was um, uh, an amazing mountain to climb but there were well, huge challenges as well when I got to the summit I must admit I just burst into tears when it was all over well when I was halfway anyway <laughs> um, and as you mentioned yes Everest was on the cards this year Unfortunately, it got cancelled back in February. It was going to be part of a film. Uh, the film company pulled out, but in hindsight, it ought to have been called off anyway. So we'll look to next year instead. Yeah, cool, man. It's a, it's a, it's definitely a dream goal, I think. Um, yeah. I own too. If we, if we ever get there, that's another thing. But um, yeah. for those who don't know about Amit Ablam, like I, I've, I've been lucky enough as well to see it quite up close, up close a number of times. And it's actually out in Nepal. It's, it's by far one of the most impressive mountains to look at and um, i suppose a lot of people don't appreciate the dangers and you you, you mentioned it there about your mother maybe didn't didn't agree <laughs> that you were doing i've definitely had that from all ends and i'm only sort of just getting into it the last uh, two or three years and yeah. and it's it's hard to describe the feeling that you get like as you said, when you when you reach a summit, or or from even just from the training and the the, the feeling of accomplishment you get, and um, like how do you describe that to people? How do you sort of explain you know the the, the benefits and, and your passion for it? Yeah, it is sometimes hard to 
um, to come across for what the thrill that it really is. I standing on the summit of Amin Ablam was such a beautiful moment and it was so much work to get there. Um, the big thing I always remind myself though, is you really are only halfway and that descent from the summit, we went all the way from the summit down to base camp the same day was, was so exhausting. And, um, yeah, so you got to got to keep that perspective. Celebrate when you get to the top; it's a lot of fun. But you've got to get back down. And often, it's on the way down, you start thinking about, you know, a better sleeping location and it's a bit more comfortable. And the meal, hopefully, that the chef's going to have cooked at base camp is always good. But um, it's one of those things. I think climbing, you've got if you haven't really gone out and done it yourself, it's hard to get that message across sometimes. But yeah. it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And it's funny you mentioned on the way down. I. I, I... You know, even looking at Everest, Mount Everest last year, mm. uh, I, I was over at base camp last year, um, and there was quite a number of deaths on Everest um, due to, I, I think, more people um, being accepted and given their to go ahead and climb it, and maybe people that are up there that aren't um, fully prepared for, for the dangers and, and that that involves um, high-altitude high altitude climbing. But um, you mentioned coming down, and... I know from reading up that, that actually, especially with Everest and with any of these climbs, that, like, as you said, halfway, the top, the summit is only halfway. And people, I think, yeah. are amazed when they get to the top um, that their energy is adapted and then they realize that they have such a, such a long distance to go from there. And I think that, that's with Everest quite a, quite a number that actually occur on the way down. Um, yeah. So how did you sort of prepare yourself for that? Because it's, probably, it's, it's a difficult enough scenario to envision really isn't it yeah absolutely and i think so many people before they start climbing they they pitch themselves on the summit of a mountain and when they get there maybe they've kind of tricked themselves into thinking that the job's done yeah and and coming down you're actually just getting more and more fatigued because it's been summit day could be 20 hours depending which summit you're doing Mm. um so the way down actually becomes even more dangerous as well so it's it's hard to keep that focus yeah Cool. Um, yeah, there, there's so many. I, I suppose if you can describe to people, the, the dangers are really unlike any other sport in that, you know, one wrong foothold or, or one wrong calculation, you know, yeah. can be sort of fatal. Uh, so can you describe to people what it's like being on high camp on, on Amada Blam up in the middle of the clouds? Um, like, it's an awesome feeling, isn't it? Like, what, what's, what's your... Oh, absolutely. The funny thing about it is it's when you're below the mountain, you're looking up. I was looking up at Armin Oblamas for trekking and going, what have I got myself into? But it's amazing how when you get up to the high camps and you literally live on this narrow ridge, it's just, it's obscenely wild. Yeah, that's what I live on. It's it's amazing looking like it's... Yeah, Yeah. really cool. And you live on it for days and days and days. And you actually become really comfortable with it very quickly. But with that said, quite literally, a slip to your left, a slip to your right, and you could be falling 2,000 metres. But it's amazing how comfortable you get with that feeling quite quickly. Yeah. And how long was your expedition to Amada Blam? You said your 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 up-to-date, you said the, 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 the most enjoyable and most exhausting at the same time that you've done. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Definitely the hardest thing, the most rewarding and the most inspiring climb I've done. And how have you prepared? Um, I, I, and I presume for first, your, your training was on track if you were going to in February. So how did you prefer, prepare physically first? What did your training involve? And then mentally, because it, it's just a challenge really like no other. 
Um, mm. so what did you do to sort of get your shape, yourself in shape, both physically and mentally? Yeah, heaps of training. And I'm back in sort of late January. I remember thinking to myself, this is the fittest and strongest I've ever felt. So it was a shame that um, it all got called off. The primary thing is heaps of aerobic training because you've got to prime your body to be able to recover overnight while you sleep and obviously huge days on the mountain itself. But do things that really test you. So a really long, like a 20K run, fantastic. But do something that is going to exhaust you a bit mentally. Um, I actually copied one of my dad's tricks and I went running around my mum's farm in, in the rural Victoria dragging tyres. <laughs> or on, on my run here in suburban Melbourne, which has no hills whatsoever, I fill up one of my climbing packs. It's just behind me and I put all my stuff in it. So I'm running through the streets with this big climbing pack on. The sort of thing that makes you kind of feel a little bit of pain along the way. Um, I was actually prepared. Yeah, and and definitely the the any any of the um, I've had quite a few people on doing these Instagram lives now, and um, one big thing that we always get into is is how to strengthen that that mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's not something that well for some people it does just come naturally, but as you start to test yourself a little bit more, and as you start to go a little bit higher with your climbs and. And I te- test your body a little bit more. Um, your, your mind is usually the thing that goes first. So it's important to have a, a, a good, strong mindset. So what sort of tools and strategies um, have you used in the past? Or how have you sort of created that resilient mindset that you can go and do these like extreme feats? Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. And, and the mind is very much a muscle in this case. The more situations you put yourself through, whether training or, or proper climbs that push you mentally, you're actually strengthening yourself for each each subsequent climb. In terms of sort of like mind tricks, um, you've you got to remind yourself that f- effort is temporary. Effort and fatigue aren't necessarily the same thing. Um, you can feel really tired, but you know that you can actually push that a little bit further. And you might know that you have pushed further on another climb, just remind yourself about those things can help you sort of take that extra step and, and just keep going. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've only felt that myself once up to this point. So um, myself and two of my mates as well have, have a couple of plans going forward. But we completed Elbrus last, uh, last September. Fantastic. Yeah, we done Elbrus from the north side. But like that, it's a, it's a 12 to 18 hour Sunday from... Mm. I think our high camp was 3,800 metres and the, the summit is 5,850 or 5,842. Yep. Nearly a 2,000 metre ascent. But I got to that point, I think, 10 hours in where I just thought, fuck, like, this is, this is tough. Um, and I've never been hit with that sort of pressure um, where I was actually questioning my, my ability to continue on. So, um yeah. Has that, have, have you felt, I'm sure you have that feeling as well, where you've got to that point and you sort of have to try and override it and, and, and train yourself to say, no, look, you're well able for this. Let's keep it going. Let's push through that pain. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of the funny things that in climber, look through their Instagram page and you see even on mine, I've got all the pictures on the tops of mountains. It looks wonderful. But 95% of it is just a slog and it's tough. And sometimes it's not fun at all. <laughs> and you've got to remind yourself that the fun's on the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, people see that little, that, that summit photo or that, that, that picture. It's the same. I spoke to Sarah and Kieran Davern and a few others over the past couple of days. And um, we were, I was trying to, I suppose, reiterate the point that people see the wins, but they don't see all the training mm-hmm. from 
that and um, big time for your climbs, as you said, you see the summit photos, but you don't see everything that came before that and the, 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 the toughness required in order to complete those sort of feats. As you said, you could go weeks on end in, in just sheer pain, really, couldn't you? Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned Elvis before as well, because I don't know what your summit down Elvis was like, but ours was Brilliant. awful. We Brilliant. couldn't see a single thing. <laughs> it was so cold. We probably spent, we couldn't have spent more than four minutes on the summit and we all looked at each other and thought, let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and so you've got to remind yourself, you've got to find the fun in those moments. It wasn't the best uh, summit I've ever had, but it was still great. Yeah, Do you, I, I take it, did you go from the north side or, or south side? Uh, to be honest, I actually can't remember which one it was. I, I thought it was quite restricted um, yeah. in terms of where they let you climb, but I, we did the main route. I can't yeah. remember which place yeah. that was. Um, there, there, yeah, it, it's, it's, I suppose, an achievement in itself being like just getting it, taking those summits off as you go along. Your main one at the minute is obviously Everest. And it, would, it, it sort of brings me on to the next question, actually. How did you deal with, or how do you deal with adversities, obstacles, things are thrown in your way? Um, to have such a huge goal and to nearly have that goal realized this year, um, and then for it to be sort of taken away or for it to be, have to. You know, to have to change your plan. Like, how did how did that affect you mentally, and how did you what what did you do to reset and sort of mm. go again? Yeah, I definitely to have the opportunity to take away was was really disappointing. And like, I always try and remind myself I was never guaranteed to get to the top. That was a different challenge in itself. But I would have loved to have at least had the go. Um, you know, it's it's a couple of hard months there. There's definitely a few days where training stops and, you know, instead of going for a run, you probably sit at home and drink a beer. That's inevitable. <laughs> but um, pretty quickly, I sort of reminded myself that, hey, this is extra time to get even fitter and it's extra time to work on my skills and maybe plan a couple of other climbing trips, probably in New Zealand in the interim and, and get myself to an even higher level than I was at the start of this year. Yeah. And... Um... Obviously, as I said, we introduced you, your, your father, Peter Hillary, and your grandfather, Edmund Hillary, two very well-known adventures, explorers. Uh, Sir Edmund Hillary are the most well-known ever, you know. Yeah. Uh, and um, reading up on him, I see that he was on, like, New Zealand $5 notes and things like that. So was yeah. this... Was that a sort of a, 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 was it bred into you from an early age? Like, was, was, was Everest always going to be the, the crowning achievement or your goal as well? Or when did you start to start to realize, you know what, definitely a route I'm going to follow as well. And I'm going to try and follow in my father's and my grandfather's footsteps and, and take it on. Hmm. Yeah, uh, a more recent goal, to be honest. I think um, everyone in our family have always been sort of focused on creating our own pathway. Uh, yeah. when, when we were younger, which is a great thing. It was, it was encouraged because you don't want to get caught up in it all too much. Yeah. Um, when I was younger, to be honest, it was all about Australian football. I used to skip school to go play football. You know, I'd go hiking, climb with my dad when I had the chance, but um, my main focus was Aussie rules, actually. So sure. it's the past seven years my focus has shifted to climbing and probably in the past two to three, I've really started to go, okay, Everest is an achievable goal here. Yeah, yeah. And... Um... And is the seven summits, so what's your next, we, we're, we're, we're sort of, I suppose, going over goals quite a bit. And mm. I think it's one thing that I explain to my clients and, and I try and get them to adhere to is, is, is sort of goal setting. Um, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, and then there's sort of long-term goals as well. Um, obviously, you're an advocate of goal setting. <laughs> so yeah. 
what's what's your procedure? What do you do? And and when you hit those goals, how do you decide what comes next? And and how to sort of balance living in the moment and enjoying what you what you've just achieved with what's next on the cards? Because I know again, anyone that I spoke to, as I said, that's one of the things they find tough is that they 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 don't stay in the moment. They're straight on to the next thing. I suppose it's yeah. just yeah comes with the territory, so to, so to speak. Yeah, and most of most of my goals are based around my training. Um, and as, as you and I actually discussed the other day, I try not to have a goal with getting to the summit. I think that can be a bit of a, a dangerous um, attitude to have with climbing because unlike most sports, even though you can't always control your environment in any sport, in mountaineering in particular, that yeah. environment ultimately could kill you. So turning back might have been the best decision you've ever made. But when it comes to my training, absolutely. Um, I've got sort of a big strategy written out in terms of how much aerobic training I'd like to do, um, trying to hit little milestones along the way. Um, one of the great things is putting on weight for mountaineering. It might sound like an odd goal, but you need to have weight to lose. I lost 11 kilos when I went to Armada Blanc. So, yeah, mo most of my focus with goals is around my training goals. And once I know I'm confident there, then I sort of let the climb handle itself. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned, actually, as you said, when we were chatting about this summit being, being a sort of a dangerous goal. And that's, it brings it, it to mind a quote, actually, the, the, the journey is the destination. And I definitely find that with, um, I've done base camp a couple of times as well. And, like, often people say to me what's base camp like i'm like oh yeah it's cool enough but uh, it's actually the trip up there and the training prior to it and and everything else and and just immersing yourself within the culture and meeting these sherpas and things on the way to it really that's that's the um from my experience anyway that i really enjoyed you know um and and the same with elbrus in that the the track up and it's just to try and enjoy that and as you said maybe not get too caught up in the in the summit as your goal the goal is i suppose is getting yourself there in the first place and completing the training and and building a resilient mindset in order to do that sort of training and staying disciplined there's quite a lot comes comes with with your climbs isn't that yeah absolutely and you gotta you gotta enjoy that journey because particularly with climbing it could be an expedition that goes for a few days or maybe even a few months and if you don't enjoy the journey along the way, the people you hang out with, the meals you share with the Sherpas or the locals, wherever you may be, um, you're probably going to lose focus and probably not achieve your climb because mentally you won't be able to handle it anymore. So you definitely got to enjoy that pathway. Yeah. Um, we were talking about the, hitting the summit as well. The other thing you would hear quite a bit with Everett is um, people getting summit fever. How have you prepared yourself for that? Because I suppose it's something that you don't with Everest for people that are watching obviously it, there, there's quite a lot of training goes into it um, it's, it's a lifelong goal for a lot of people especially if they're into climbing obviously um, and the funds for it it doesn't come cheap it's quite an expensive yeah. climb um, so what happens a lot of people is that when they get within view of it um, within, within touching distance of the summit even though their gut is telling them they should turn around or maybe the weather or that is just not falling into place, um, it might just not be their time, that they want to push on anyway um, and they get what they call summit fever. So how have you sort of tried to prepare yourself mentally for that? And, and have you felt that or been in that position at any stage? Yeah, it's, it's something much talked about amongst climbers, that's for sure. And, 
and I think it's something that probably gets exacerbated the higher up you go. So yeah. the higher altitude, you just you think less clearly. So I, I, it's something I probably can't worry about too much until I'm sort of in the moment. But yeah. largely, as a personality type, I think I'm one of my big skills is I don't really get too carried away in the sense that I would never see a summit as being more important in my life. So I guess I'm lucky to, to hold that view. But who knows, at 8,000 metres, it's maybe going to be a bit harder to think more clearly. Um, yeah, it, it's a really tricky one to answer because fortunately I haven't found myself in that position where I've had to make that call. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but Everest might be that moment. Mm. But I suppose then as well, it, it goes to the point of, of always having a good team around you and a good advisor as well. Um, it's, it's very much an individual sport in that, obviously, if you don't do the training, you're not going to you know, get to where you need to be or want to be. So um, to have people around you and people that you can trust. So how do you sort of choose those people and, and how, how do you make sure that you're surrounded by people that you, are, that you can fully trust with, with basically with your life? Yeah, I, I, fortunately in my case, um, I've done a lot of climbing with my, my family, people I would trust anyway. And my dad's an incredibly accomplished mountaineer. My brother's a great mountaineer. And subsequently, that's kind of attracted us to climb with, with good people. You can tell pretty quickly when you're climbing with someone who knows what they're doing. And when I was in Armin Blanc recently, we were climbing with the most amazing, probably the best high altitude climber in the world. Yeah. Um, it's, it's always in the little things, the, the comfortable way they move around with their crampons on, their rope work. You go, this, this guy or girl really knows what they're doing. Um, and you've, yeah, you've got to make sure that you're confident with those people. Any concerns, of course, you need to speak up because even though, yes, it's an individual sport in the sense that you know, you're know you not working um, in a team of 18 like on a football field, you want to make sure the person belaying you knows what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, because your life is in their hands. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk, like, I suppose, Nepal for a minute. Nepal is sort of ingrained now in the Hillary name and, mm. yeah, and vice versa. Um, when did you first get out to Nepal yourself? Uh, be about 10 years ago. I was 18 when I first went. Very cool. And obviously, the, again, with the Hillary name, like, there's been so much from building schools to vaccinations to bring in water. Um, like, you've, you've, you guys have, have changed a lot of people's lives out there. Um, so what, what did it feel like for you when you first got out there, when you maybe first flew into Lukla, which, by the way, is one of my favorite parts of, 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 of even going to base camp, um, and I'm looking forward to it again. Um, like, like, how were you greeted there? What was the feeling? Was it surreal? Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely was surreal. And it's funny you mentioned Lukla, because that is my least favorite part of going to the Himalayas. I love it. Yeah, I'm, uh, I love the town. I'm not a big fan of the landing or the takeoff. But when I first went there, to be honest, there was a sense of uh, being quite overwhelmed because the people were so generous and I was there with my dad and people were running out, putting prayer okay. scarves over us. And at the time, I sort of go, well, I, know I love to be involved in the charity work and I really I do my part for the Himalayan Foundation and the Himalayan Trust. Yeah. But you almost feel it gives you a sense of obligation. You go, wow, these people feel so close to the Hillary family. And, and really, it was what my grandfather did and what my dad's done. Um, so it gives you a sense of obligation to carry on. And were you, were you expecting that when you got out there? Like at 18 years of age, that must be, and I'm sure you'd heard all the stories. And, and um, as I said, both like your family being such accomplished climbers. W was, it, was it something that you'd expected when you got out there or? 
or how how what what was your feeling? No, no not really. I mean, most of the time, my family were pretty good at sort of just doing our own thing. We don't like too much of a fuss. Uh, it's a bit, you know, my dad's a public speaker. That's sort of his moment in the limelight. But otherwise, we're quite reserved people. So it was a bit overwhelming, to be honest. Um, but you just you just got to show the affection back, and you just you thank people for for coming out to see you, and you know all the work they're doing in the community as well, because it's a team effort. It's the Himalayan Trust working with the people of Nepal together. So and that, that's what they want. You thank them, make sure they feel supported as well. Yeah, cool, cool. And you, they are they're like they're wonderful people. Um, I, I, I'm getting messages nearly daily off <laughs> like our Sherpas that we, we've, um, I've been out there uh, twice now um, and I was due to fly out again this Sunday um, we were going to yep. do, we were doing Island Peak uh, so we were going to base camp and then uh, Kalapatar and then on to, on to Island Peak but um, yeah like a fantastic, fantastic people like and strong as horses like <laughs> yeah. it's I, I find being out there sort of puts things in perspective. And one of the things I really like about going out there is it gives me a chance. I, I own a gym, so I'm working 70 hours a week. And when I'm out there doing something like that or training for a climb or for a trek is that there is no TV, there's no social media, and I'm quite active on social media, um, probably the phone, and I hate to admit that, but different because it's um it's part and parcel of my business um so when you're out there for weeks on end there's no tv no cars um and it's a really it's it's really detoxing for the mind and i think it's great to just step away um how do you deal with that or or, or what's what would be your favorite part about what you do yeah, coming back from those trips, you're right, you feel fresh all of a yeah. sudden. You think a bit more clearly because you haven't had that reliance or need to be checking your phone or emails and things like that. So I kind of love that that detachment as well. Mm -hmm. um, of course, it's always good to, to share your pictures and stories with people as, as soon as you get home. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's as much a sport as it is a, a lifestyle thing as well. It gives that chance to sort of break away and that's what the mountain's good fun for. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you you were talking about sport. So sport has obviously been uh, is is in your background. Um, and you said yeah. you were you're quite into AFL. Um, I was lucky enough to get to see an AFL game actually in uh, in Perth last. We were over there, and I lived there a couple of years ago as well, ten years ago for 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 a um for a year or so. But uh, great sport. Um, how did you? What happened, or why did you make the the transfer into climbing? Um, what was the deal there, or where did it just click that okay, do you know what? Actually, I wanna, I'm gonna move over and I'm gonna try, try this now for a while. Yeah, and so family uh, climbing's a real family thing for me. So I guess it was more and more when I was spending time with my dad and my brother. We went out climbing, and you sort of get that bit more of a. Uh, the appeal to do it more and more. Also, I found like I, I love footy, but I was I got a lot of injuries as well. And when I was climbing, I found it's something you can do without worrying about hurting your knee and your ankle every five minutes. Mm. Um, so more of a, a sport I can carry on, hopefully doing for the rest of my life, or else you know you can only take those hits so many times in football before you kind of hang up the boots. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I can identify with the, the bad knees and things like that as well. So that's it, likewise. People often yeah. say, does, does climbing not affect those? But actually, no, like I feel quite strong. Um, bar sometimes on the, on the way down, you might, you know, feel some niggles and things in the knees. But Yeah, definitely. Um, 
once you're once you're you're taking precautions and you're you're doing the necessary training that you sort of feel you feel pretty strong after um yeah so so tell me a little bit about the obviously you're an entrepreneur in the with the clothing brand and things like that so tell us a little bit about that and how you decided to to i suppose in business to go into that side of things because it's pretty pretty cool um project as well yeah, yeah, the clothing brand was, it was a great idea. We started up my dad and uh, one of his business partner friends and my brother and my sister and I have been able to get really involved in that, which is fantastic. And for me, I really love the opportunity to make a business which can ultimately provide revenue to the charities ongoing. Because um, people, of course, they can't donate to the Himalayan Trust forever. There's other great causes out there, environmental causes, for example. So we can create something which helps support our charities ongoing. And that's something I really want to be a part of. And hopefully we can make it work. It's, it's tough. It is, but it's, it's going okay. Yeah, that's it. It's cool, man. It's a really cool project. And um, going back to the sort of goal setting, would you take the, I suppose, what's the biggest lessons that you've learned through climbing? Um, I was just going to bring it into, into goal setting there, but do you, is there any lessons from climbing and from your training that you sort of bring into, into business, into relationships, into other areas of your life? Um, I'm a big advocate of training because it, it, there's such a huge correlation between pushing yourself mentally and physically daily, whether it's in the gym, on a mountain, whatever sport you're playing, and the correlation that has to sort of everyday life and the lessons you learn from it. What's your sort of, we say, your five biggest things that you've learned that you can carry that have a huge carryover? Yeah, I, I think climbing does take, it gives you a lot of skills for life. Uh, the absolute biggest one is patience. It makes you realise that like good things take time. You've got to wait for good weather. You've got to wait for your body to be right. And you definitely can bring that back home and just be more tolerable of all the other things around you. Um, the, the top five lessons, and all of a sudden, you don't, all the little things in life, they're not that big of a deal anymore. I can guarantee you when I was climbing up a part of Armour de Blanc called the Yellow Tower, traditionally it's considered the hardest part, you don't care about anything. All you, all you want to do is, yes, you focus on the top of the mountain, but you're also focused on your loved ones and getting home safely. All the little things in life, they're, they're irrelevant. So it's a good way to remind yourself of what's actually really important. I think, I think perspective is a huge thing. And yeah, it's absolutely. Of uh, sometimes just people miss that. Um, actually, that was the reasoning for starting these um, these live streams and mm -hmm. and getting guests like yourself on was to sort of explain that we're we're in the middle of a pandemic, which I'm, which I'm not you know I don't want to talk about too much. Everyone knows that, and everyone's in isolation and doing their part. Um, but we're seeing so much negativity on social media and you know, that this is the worst thing that's ever happened, that we have to stay in our houses and stay with our loved ones and, and just try and relax, you know. Um, and, yeah, like, as I said, one of the things I enjoyed about doing base camp was the journey up and seeing, I, I suppose, seeing how lovely the people were, despite not having a lot. Um, and it gives you perspective. Absolutely. And, yeah, and, and the perspective is definitely something that I've gotten. Um, I don't know, are you the same, but that I would have gotten, and I'd like you said there, climbing Amin Ablam, you start to realise, well, wait a minute, this is, you know, there's fucking, there's other things more important than, you know, being able to you know, go on a trip or being able to go on a holiday or, or you know, you know, so so definitely at the at this moment in time, I think I think perspective is, is very much needed. Yeah, and you know, it's funny with this sort of past few weeks, I know, I think in Ireland, the lockdown's been a bit more significant, but 
I felt like I've kind of connected with people that are most important to me. All of a sudden, the, the people that you maybe aren't as important in your life, you don't really have the time for them at the moment. You're sort of you're checking up on your, your good friends, your family yeah. members, the ones you really love. So absolutely, I think at the moment it's a good time for people to reflect and have perspective yeah. on that. And I think those who matter like that, those who matter will, that will always be there. And that's mm. really where people will really start to appreciate, I think, in, in sort of these times. Um, it's also good, like it gives you a lot of time to reflect um, which is one of the things I mentioned when, when, when talking to my clients about goal setting is, is it's okay having those goals, but it's important to pull back and, and reflect and um, I suppose gauge how far along you've progressed and be able to measure. How do you measure your progression? How do you ensure that you're doing the things that you need to do, that your daily activities are sitting in alignment with your, with your big goals? Yeah, it's, it's important for I mean, most of us who have got, nine to fives that you focus on something completely other than training you're sitting in a desk working at a bank or whatever it may be so reminding yourself that all those little incremental things you do the fact that you got up early and you went for a run and you worked in some rehab in the morning they do make a big difference and that's sometimes hard to keep that that big picture isn't it I and mean, you go mm. okay great went on a, a short run i don't know how that's going to get me to the top of the mountain but overall all those one percent efforts they do add up so that that's what i remind myself of yeah, and, and you have, uh, I, I talk quite a bit about routine and the importance of routine. And you've, you've touched on it there a little bit yourself. Would you have any daily, like a set daily routine or a morning routine? Um, I love, is it, uh, is it William H. Raven? William McRaven is a book um, called Make the Bed or Make Your Bed. And it's yep. doing the, the first task, the most important task of the day to set yourself up mentally and get yourself prepared for for the rest of the day so morning routines to me i think are very important what's your day look like and and would you be an advocate of those yeah absolutely i think routines really important and funnily enough it's during this lockdown my routines become even more important because i'm now working from home so i needed something to distinguish between home time and work time when essentially i'm in, in the same place um in terms of my routine i focus on the things that uh, such as rehab, that means I can keep doing my training because I'm going to go for a run anyway because I love running, so that, that's fine. But I'm probably not going to do all the little exercises my physio gives me. So I make sure when I get up, that's the stuff I do. Yeah. I'm on the foam roller. I'm, I'm doing the calf races to help my shin splints. Got out the resistance band to try and work on the, the little glute muscles you don't always work on. So my, my big thing is doing the little exercises that give you that 1% advantage, get them out of the way early. Yeah, the things you dislike, try and get them done. Uh, yep. Again, in a couple of people I've spoken to recently, that's, that's sort of, you know, they, they try and bang them out quickly so they can maybe enjoy the rest of the day or do the thing that they enjoy doing. Um, and again, I think it's just about that mental preparedness, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah, so you're, you're set up for the, for the rest of the day. Um, yeah. Uh, the... the, the I keep going back to it, but the mindset thing, all these little details and all these have, have a big impact on your, your career and your, your climbing career in general. So what would be the biggest thing or the one thing that you tell anyone that's watching today that they could do if it, to, to, to not get started to, to climb, but to, to get one step closer to their goal, to, to maybe to at the end of this, 
isolation period, we'll say, to come out the other side stronger? What would be your piece of advice? And what are you doing to ensure that you come out the other side of this stronger than you went in? Yeah. Well, I'm, I guess to start off, particularly for someone who wants to get into climbing, I plan that first trip because the thing with climbing is the, the entry barrier, I guess, can be quite high. You need the equipment. There's a lot of planning involved. Trips don't just happen. Trips to Everest or anywhere for that matter don't just happen overnight. So plan a, a trip that you can do over a weekend, something that's very achievable for you and your friends. There's heaps of groups online that are always out, out exploring. In terms of just for, for general life, for, for people, whether you're climbing or those other sports, I guess don't forget how much work you can do to prepare, even in your own home. There is a lot of fitness stuff you can do. And use that as to kind of build up your baseline for when eventually we're all free to go outside and, and do the things we love again. Don't forget that this time we spend at home talking to our loved ones on the phone, but it also is a chance to keep yourself fit and get yourself ready. Yeah, and, and, and you're, you're going to get into either a good routine or a bad routine, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, as soon as we closed up the gym, we closed up Sunday two weeks ago, so we're just over two, two weeks into, into isolation here in Ireland. Um, but as soon as I closed the gym, I, I went manic the following day because I thought, oh, man, I don't want to get into a routine of just sitting on the couch watching yeah. Um, and, and just eating bad food. And, and to be honest, the first week of my food intake probably wasn't fantastic. Uh, but it definitely, it's, it's gotten on track and I, I'm prioritizing at least one to two hours per day of training. And I'm still looking yeah. obviously to my gym. It's only a couple of hundred meters from me. Um, but there is home workouts you can do. You can go for a walk. I'm, I'm not sure how it looks in Melbourne at the minute, but we've got a, like a 2K radius that we can, we can exercise within for an hour a day. So, um, so I'm trying to do that. What, yeah. like what goals, little goals, or what sort of, you, you mentioned planning, and it's, it's very important to have that planning down so that you can, it's like the saying goes, fail to plan, plan to fail. Um, yeah. So, so what, what did you do when you first heard about sort of these restrictions coming into place? And, and how far along are you over there, actually? Yeah, I, fortunately, ours is a bit more flexible uh, as opposed to 2K radius. I mean, we're still, people are still encouraged to do their exercises. Yeah. Of course, you're only meant to go outside for, for food, for medical purposes, but going for runs still absolutely allowed. Um, when, when I first heard about the lockdown, I'm a, I'm a bit of a funny personality in the sense I immediately started thinking of too many things to do. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I actually almost overwhelmed myself. But for example, hopefully this is still doesn't get too blurry, but I've got a lot of my climbing gear here that you ho can hopefully see. Yeah. And on the other night, I was set up here in my garage and I was going through all my rope work, um, I, you know, doing a bit of a crevasse rescue. It would have just looked obscene lying on the floor in my garage, but... You just you don't be afraid to look like an idiot sometimes. You do what you need to do to, to keep the mind focused and keep your skills up. Yeah, and I think that's what's important that the, is to and, and there's a life lesson right there. Um I I'm always trying to encourage people to get into fitness and they just they they think they're not fit enough to get started. And I'm I try to explain to them, well that's the whole point of of training and of going for a walk and of doing a climb and maybe going to the gym or doing whatever sport it is and um, I think it's just important to take that first step. Um, yeah. And that's normally where people find that, that, that that's what people find most difficult is taking that first step and trying something new and then maybe having to do that multiple times till they find what it is that they enjoy doing. Um, you've yeah. obviously 
found what you enjoy doing. So it becomes less of a chore and more of a passion. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, that, that first step, it is the hardest thing sometimes because regardless of whether you're doing exercises at home like we are now or you go into the gym and you're intimidated, the reality is people love people who just get out there and, and give it a go. No one's watching your bench press technique and, and having a laugh at you. It just doesn't happen. So I'd encourage people to not worry about all those external thoughts of what I look like, am I fit enough? And you know, just, just get out there and give it a go. And now at the moment is the best time because we've never had more time in our hands, unless of course we're our doctor or nurse and, and keeping us all healthy. Thank you for your work. But for the rest of us, we've got a lot of free time at the moment. Yeah, and, and it, 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 like one of the things, dealing with the general public, I, I suppose I would deal, deal with quite a lot of people on a weekly basis and people would come into the gym and um, I would talk to people just in regards coaching and training. Um, and you hear so many different, uh, to put it, I suppose, to be a little bit of tough love here, but, but excuses. And time is generally one of the biggest ones that I would hear. And as yeah. you said there, like we, we've all got so much time at the minute. There's so many different things that you can do right now in order to sort of propel yourself forward um, rather than sort of sitting down and taking the, without, you know, for want of a better word, but the woe is me. You know, we're all in the same sort of situation here. So it's to trying to find the place where, where all this negativity is. Um, what are you doing to stay a little bit more positive um, and not be consumed by everything that's on social media at the minute? Because that's, that's where we're seeing it, I think. All these numbers and deaths and, and you know, this, it's, it's less about being positive and, and there's definitely a lot of negativity being thrown at you. So what are you doing to stay, to stay out of that and make sure that it's not affecting you mentally? Yeah, it, it's it's hard to do. I, my my big thing is after the first week in hysteria here in here in Melbourne, I tried to watch as little news as possible. I tried to avoid news apps, keep up to date with the important things. Like if the prime minister makes an announcement, that's generally up to date information. For me, it's been pretty hard to escape it. To be honest, I work in finance, so for nine hours a day, I have clients calling, desperate, wondering, desperately wondering what's going on with the markets. So. It, it is definitely hard to escape, but that's where the routine comes into it. Have something that you do at the conclusion of your day. If you, know, if you keep hearing the news all day, some yoga, meditation, something to clear your head. Yeah. Um, and, and that is actually something I'm doing at the end of each day to kind of help myself relax and, and get into the afternoon and evening. I think that's where goals are crucial as well. Um, I know from a personal point of view, again, I use myself as an example here, but... Um, I, I can work 70, 80 hours per week and I can, I suppose, consume and listen to this negativity once I know that I have something to look forward to. And, you know, I, I, I get those milestones from setting goals and saying, okay, well, do you know what? This is what my present looks right now, but my future is not going to look like this. And then maybe two, three, four, maybe six months time or a year's time, who knows? But we're going to come out of this and we're, I, I know how I want to feel when I come out the other side. Um, yeah. I know what I want to do when I come out the other side. Um, so I think it's an important point. Um, yeah, it's is, is just, again, going back to that goal set and having, having something that you can, when, when this all ends and we're able to move around a little bit again, having something to actually say, you know what, this, this is something I'm going to achieve, this is something I'm going to do for myself. Yeah, yeah, and things are going to change. Things are going to get better. And 
Um, I've actually, of all people, I watched the Queen's speech the other day, and I don't usually get too involved with the royal family, but she made some really interesting points. And we will look back, and for those who have made the effort and stayed at home and stopped the spread, we will look back and be proud of what we've done. And future generations will be proud of what we've done. And for those out working on the front line in the hospitals, we will always be proud of those people. So things are going to get better. So if maybe take that mindset with your training. You might be stuck in your lounge room now, but you're going to be able to get outside eventually. Definitely, definitely. And I think everyone's looking forward to that. Um, here, yeah. it, it's funny, actually, here in Ireland, we don't generally get fantastic weather. It's, 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 it's a lot like New Zealand, actually. Um, but our weather for, for January, February, March was, was horrendous. And then all of a sudden, these last two weeks, we've had beautiful weather outside. It's, <laughs> you know, yeah. And now we can't go outside. Or, or it's limited, I suppose. But... Um, yeah. Yeah, but it'll come. It'll come again where we're able to we're able to grow freely, and uh, definitely, I think it's something to look forward to. Um, yeah. yeah, listen, Edmund. Or sorry, Edmund. Um, George, thanks so much, George. Yeah, apologies. Um, That's thanks, thanks so much for popping on and for um, giving us some insight into your training, into your mindset. Um, I, I'm always very much into. I, I, I love having these chats because regardless of the sport, when you reach a certain level um, in, in any sport, it's, it's, it, it really interests me uh, to get an insight into the person's mindset and into, I suppose, how they've gotten to that point and how they've built that resilient and that strong mindset. And um, you can see you're one of those people as well that you just keep testing your and testing your mind and um it's something that i implore everybody to try and do is to just keep challenging themselves um and and keep keep turning up that dial and 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 don't be afraid we we spoke about it already about taking that first step have you any any anything you'd like to finish on there any advice you'd like to give everybody um it'd be much appreciated yeah definitely i everyone's going to find a passion they love. And what, like, I've, the reason I'm getting better at climbing is because it's something I really enjoy and I want to do. It's not a strain for me to, to get out there. And We don't all have to be climbers. We don't have to be runners. We don't have to be gym goers or footballers, whatever it may be. But there's something we love. So go out there and sort of explore different routines and sports and fitness regimes and, and find what works for you. Because um, when you find it, it's not going to be a chore. And all of a sudden, you don't need to put in your diary to go for a run because you'll just do it because you love doing it. Yeah, exactly. And for a lot of people, the, the, the sole goal is weight loss or fat loss. I tried to explain to somebody that that's not very tangible. You're not going to wake up some morning and say, do you know what, Jesus, I look fantastic. This is exactly where I wanted to be. And if that's yeah. the sole goal, it's, it's just not a very achievable goal. But as you said, just if, there, if you can find something that you love to do, it's not going to be a chore. You're going to just continue to do it. And that's in turn going to lead to those other byproducts like weight loss, a stronger mind, um, a, a better physique, that sort of thing. So yeah, great, great advice, George. Great advice. Yeah. Um, I love to finish off, if you don't mind, um, with, I have my iPad here with some questions on, sorry. Um, yeah. with, some, with some quick fire questions. Um, I always sure yeah, yeah, I always think they're a fun way to finish off these. So um, I'm going to just fire some at you and whatever the first thing is that comes to your mind, okay? Uh, so your favorite motivational quote? Favorite motivational quote? I'd <laughs> um, uh, be, be talking about the difference between effort and fatigue. Okay. Yeah, yeah sorry, I can't. 
<laughs> that was very good. But... I caught you on the spot there. Caught you on the spot. <laughs> um, if you had ten million, ten million dollars, what would you do with it? Oh, ten million dollars! Look, to, to be honest, and this might sound cliche and so I'm bullshitting, but I'm an incredibly lucky and privileged person. I I think I'd I'd donate it. I don't need that money. Bushfire causes, um, environmental causes, whatever it may be. There's, there's people more deserving out there than me. Yeah, it's been a tough time out in Australia recently, definitely in the last uh, in the last few months with the with the bushfire. Yeah. Um, I have Lee. Uh, Lee makes videos on here, and um, Lee Dalton. That's one of the guys I train with. Actually, he's asking you recommended books. Have you any books that you'd recommend reading? That's helped. Oh you. yeah, actually, there's, there's a... sorry. No, I think there's an issue there, possibly with the uh, with the internet. Uh, so You're in and out there. Bit... You still with me, George? Yeah. Yeah, I can, yeah. I can still hear. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're back. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah, um, yeah. One actually really good book I read before I went to Nepal was a sports psychology book called How Bad Do You Want It? And that okay. spoke about um, the desire to push yourself and sort of differentiate between how much further you can push yourself and, and that whole effort versus fatigue paradox. Um, another great book at the moment I really enjoy is called The Antidote by an author called Oliver Berkman. So check that out too. The Antidote and How Bad Do You Want It? Yep. That's cool. Perfect. I'll fire up that on the notes afterwards. Um, da -da -da -da. What three people, past or present, if you had the opportunity, would you have over for dinner? So I, th I think I missed the start of it, but three people, past or present, I'd have over for dinner. That right? That's it, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Barack Obama, he'd be on the list. Zinedine Zidane, I was always a massive Zidane fan. And I'm yeah. only Australians would get this reference, but Lenny Hayes, he's a St. Kilda footballer. <laughs> AFL, yeah? yeah? Yeah. Football over here is, uh, is Gaelic, is GAA. So. Um, yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, have, you, have you come across GAA football? Yeah, you know what? Uh, fun fact, I was actually working with a great guy called Harry Dawson from, uh, from Scaries, and he was yeah. on um, Dublin's list for Gaelic football. Okay, very good. Um, yeah. This brings me to my next one, actually. Um, some odd fact about yourself that nobody else knows. God, an odd so fact myself yeah. nobody else knows. Well, maybe in the boredom of the past few days, I've been letting my fiancé paint my nails. <laughs> <laughs> That's that, that works. That works. <laughs> That's definitely nice. Is that why you've been hiding the hand there? That's why, yeah, that's why they've been down here. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. I don't know, is this the best place to show that now? But uh, no, that's good. good. <laughs> um, one word to describe yourself. Uh, quirky. Quirky, cool. I, yeah, I have to agree there. <laughs> After seeing the fingernails. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your favourite movie? Favourite movie? Uh, I Am Legend. Actually, very appropriate for what we're going through. <laughs> Actually, you, you spoke about the, the when we were chatting before before this interview um, about climbing in, in general. Have you seen, I'm, I'm sure you have, Alex Honnold's um, free solo? Yes. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. Another great insight into somebody's mind and, in, you know, the, the training and everything that goes into setting a goal of that stature and that. It's a yeah, really cool one. I showed that to you. Yeah. I have some students in at the minute from the education training board. Well, not at the minute. We did the, the course finished up a couple of weeks ago due to, due to everything going along here. But I was showing them that movie. And again, they wouldn't have any, 
you know, climbing wouldn't be their thing, but I was trying to explain to them, look at the way this guy moves and what he says and his mannerisms and, and what he does in order to achieve his goals because it's just incredible. And I think that's what you get from, from watching these people that are, operate at such a high level, you know? Yeah, and like Alex Honnold's so confident in himself that he's yeah. just fearless and tunes out to what's going on around him, which is a, a 3,000-meter vertical drop. Right. Easy, yeah, yeah. You, you said, actually, in your message about um, uh, Yosemite Park. Is that something on your list as well? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to get there. I'm, I've got a lot of rock climbing training to do until I'm at that level, but um, it's a place I'd love to explore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, definitely on my list as well to get out there and see... Beautiful, beautiful in any pictures and that I've seen. Um, yeah. What's, well, I think you spoke about it, but the highlight of your own career so far, the highlight of your, your life so far? Yeah, and the highlight of my climbing career absolutely is Armin Ablam. That was um, a huge test and, and a, a nice little story from my brother and I we were the first Hillary's to get to the summit. So my grandfather led the first expedition yeah. back in the 60s. Uh, my dad did an attempted route up just the most outrageous climb you've ever seen in your life. And unfortunately, they got hit by an avalanche and fortunately survived. Um, but uh, 50 years later, my brother and I were the first Hillary to stand on the top. Yes, that's, really, that's, that's cool. As you said, making, yeah. on making your own impact in the climbing world. And it's fantastic. Um, you, you mentioned your brother, Alex. Is that correct? Yep, that's right. Do, do you do most of your climbing and, and trekking with, with Alex or...? would he be would he be with you most of the time yeah absolutely on all our mountaineering expeditions we're generally together because often you know we'll be climbing together in new zealand or lucky enough to go to nepal um back here in melbourne and i'll try and get off in a few rock climbing ventures which i'll do with some other friends but for the most part alex is my climbing partner yeah, for the bigger ones that's great um your favorite shit food what do you do when you just want to grab something that's not that healthy what's your favorite food uh, and embarrassingly, it's starting to become McDonald's. I've never really been a McDonald's person. Yeah. But um, before I went to Nepal, I had to put on all this weight. And McDonald's was my answer, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, when it has to be done, when you're craving it, you have to. You That's have to right. <laughs> sometimes. Um, this is one I asked. I had Paul Mort on yesterday, who's, a, who's a, um, a UK speaker. And I think it's a great, I think it's a great question. Is would you rather fight 100, si 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? <laughs> I'd go to the horse-sized duck, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you take them on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, listen, uh, listen, George, we'll, we'll finish up on that. But uh, again, thanks so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure to, to chat to you and to, to just, as I said, get an insight into your mind and your climbing career and what's next. And I'm looking forward to... Um, to, to, to seeing what's next for you and, and to uh, seeing you, uh, I suppose, hit the summit of Everest. Hopefully, it's 2021 you're looking at doing it now. Well, that, that's the aim, but hey, we'll see what happens. There's plenty of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true. Um, yeah, George, thanks so much. Um, I'll definitely be. Do you want to tell anybody where they can follow you, um, your websites, your social media sites, and things like that, or, or maybe about your, um, yeah. your clothing brand? Yeah, definitely. I, I, my Instagram is a good way to keep up with all my climbing trips. But um, on the Edmund Hillary website, so it's the, for the clothing brand. My brother and I have a blog, which we try to update regularly to just with our different travels around New Zealand or particularly Nepal as well. So it's a good place to keep up to date. Yeah, deadly dude. Listen, we leave it at that. Enjoy your evening out there. And uh, hopefully I get to, to chat to you again soon, man. It's yeah, good. it's been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for having me on board. Thanks, George. Thanks a million, man. Yeah.
Good luck. See you, everyone. Thanks a lot. Bye. Hi guys, thanks to everyone who tuned in this morning, um, an earlier start than normal due to the time difference between here and Melbourne. Um, next up, Thursday at 2pm, uh, 2 we have Evan Regan of Evan Regan Nutrition, and he's going to come on and give you some insights into his training, his mindset. We're going to talk big on nutrition for that one, so if you have any questions, just bang them on through to me. Um, that is Evan Regan from Evan Regan Nutrition on Thursday, okay? Uh, thanks to everybody, and I'll talk to you all soon. All right, guys, that is a wrap on another episode. Thank you for joining me this week on the Gym and Tonic Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, www.thegymballonat.ie, for more great content. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, and you'll never miss another episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, I would really appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help me out too. If you liked this podcast, you might want to check out our social media platforms. On Instagram, at the underscore gym underscore balana, or on Facebook, at the gym balana. Be sure to tune in for next week's episode. That's it from me, Stephen, at the Gym and Tonic Podcast. And remember, this is what we do.